All right. Welcome to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astell, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. Hey, Corey. Hey, let's just jump right into it. Yeah, let's do it. The Utah Supreme Court has ruled that transgender Utahns can list their gender identity on state records. Yes. Sex and gender are understood by most people to mean the same thing, but the state may start distinguishing between the two. I know you've been active in this area. What's the issue and how do you see it getting resolved? Well, so back in the 70s, Utah adopted um, what I would call as some uniform legislation about changing birth certificates and, um, and names. And over the course of the last 40 years or so, um, the legislature from time to time has really beefed up the requirements on changing your name, you know, to make sure that people aren't doing it as like con men to escape liability or whatnot. But the changing the birth certificate statute remained basically unchanged, and it was really neglected and I think ignored and forgotten about. And then just about 10 years ago, uh, people, uh, transgender people started applying to the courts for, um, you know, uh, changing the birth certificate to change their gender. And I believe, um, Corey, and I did some research on this a few years ago, that um, the, the idea of uh, the original statute, which I think was passed in 1977, was probably either for a mistake if it got transcribed wrong or for those rare situations where maybe a child is born with genitalia from both genders or from two genders. And, um, and you know, the decisions, decisions made subsequent to the birth, you know, mm. uh, to do some type of surgery. Um, so unbeknownst to the legislature, people started applying to the courts to, to, to change the gender on the birth certificate. And when this issue first came across my attention, which was about three, three or four years ago, there were about 60, we could track about 65 a year. And about the same time, people started applying to change the gender on the driver's license. And, you know, nobody raised a red flag to the legislature and said, by the way, this is what's going on out there. And then the State Department and the passport uh, people, and there's there's a federal law called Real ID, which which you know kind of uh, the states have to comply with for driver's license. And so by the time the legislature started looking at this, the, the ship had kind of already sailed. But uh, the reason I give you all that history is um, so judges started granting petitions to change gender on birth certificates really without the knowledge of the legislature, because the legislature had told them 40 years ago that they could. Um, and so what happened is some judges started saying no, and then there were lawsuits filed. And um, one of those cases from Ogden went all the way up to the Utah Supreme Court. And what's interesting about this is the Utah Supreme Court took oral arguments and then waited three years, three years, which is really, they're, they're, they typically rule within six months of oral argument, but three years to issue their ruling. And they basically said that, um, that judges have to if certain boxes are checked. So now that the Supreme Court, the Utah Supreme Court has weighed in on this, you're going to see some legislators that want to kind of now try to put that toothpaste back in the tube. I actually tried to tackle this issue and put some um, boundaries around it three years ago. And, and um, um, I had various drafts of legislation, but either some people thought I went too far, some people thought I didn't go far enough. And as you could probably imagine, there's a lot of um, tender feelings about this, like how old you know should someone be to change their gender on the birth certificate? Um, a, a lot of the people on the far right were saying, "Hey, the birth certificate's a government document and it can't ever be changed. It's just recording what happened, you know, at the time of the birth." 
Uh, and I would like to point out to them that, you know, every time we do an adoption, we issue a new birth certificate with the, with the adopting parents' name. So, so we've been in the business as a state of changing birth certificate certificates for probably longer than I've been alive. And so um, now that the Supreme Court has ruled, um, th this is an issue I think that should have been decided by the legislature, but I think that we probably, I think that that ship has sailed. And my guess is there will be some, there will be some bills to try to roll back what the Utah Supreme Court did, but ultimately my guess is the legislature will leave the current law in place. It's just a guess. I could be wrong. So just a, just a question. Does it create problems if somebody, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like we treat birth certificates similar to we how we treat a, a title on, on a four wheeler when we yeah. buy it from someone, you change it. And whatever. Well, I think the bigger problem is if somebody's, you know, trying to show their identity, I don't know, um, you know, whether it's TSA at the airport, if you've got a passport and a driver's license that says you're a male and you've got a birth certificate that says you're a female, I think that creates more problems yeah, if they're not aligned. Um, but, um, you know, I know there's a lot of, you know, whenever that comes to transgender issues, there's a lot of uh, feelings, you know, transgender sports, you know, is another issue that came up last year and that's going to come back this year. Uh, but ultimately, I think, you know, um, I think, you know, uh, different strokes for different folks. And I think that, um, you know, uh, that ship has sailed a little bit in terms of our society. And, and uh, it doesn't make sense to throw up, to me, it doesn't make sense to throw up all these artificial barriers that are just going to create people uh, problems down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense to me. So the Utah attorney general, Sean Reyes, along with 23 other states attorney general uh, have sent a letter to president Biden that accused him of overreach of his executive power by requiring a program of mandatory vaccinations or weekly testing for businesses with more than 100 employees. Uh, how are they pushing back on this OSHA rule, Corey? AGs of 23 states, including uh, Sean Reyes, as you mentioned, they just, they sent a letter pushing back on, on President Biden. The AGs argue that this fiat is illegal for a handful of reasons. First, the Biden administration is relying on extraordinary provisions that requires the government to demonstrate, quote, employees are exposed to grave danger from exposure to substances or agents determined to be toxic or harmful. So in the emergency declaration must be, quote, necessary to protect employees from such danger. And the AGs in this letter, they just point out that vaccinated individuals and those with natural immunity, some people with both, have pretty low risk of hospitalization. Also, COVID is not work-related, it's not a work-related hazard, it's not a work-related uh, toxic or harmful substance. It does not arise out of work situations. Congress did not provide such a broad scope to cover dangers existing in the world generally. Otherwise, uh, this OSHA, you know, OSHA could create regulations for who knows what, a hundred other things. Um, further, the 100-employee uh, designation is overbroad and arbitrary, the AGs are saying. There's nothing inherent about that number that makes the workplace more or less dangerous. And under the Constitution, you and I talked about this last time, under the Constitution, health and welfare, safety are the purview of the states. Yeah. And the AGs are here arguing that they say reading the statute as empowering the Department of Labor to regulate employees' responses to illness existing in society at large would entail reading it to regulate the health and well-being of millions of Americans. And 
which they call a sweeping intrusion on traditional state authority. I mean, I think that is so clear. Uh, when Congress intends to take a, an extraordinary step like this, it must be clearly. The Supreme Court just said so again in the um, in the, the most recent case of uh, evictions. You know, in this case, the statute does not does not clearly empower OSHA to regulate. In fact, OSHA really has to stretch the meaning to reach this conclusion. Some supporters have cited the Jacobson v. Massachusetts case, and I've seen I've seen the Trib cite this too. But that case doesn't even involve a federal mandate; it involves state yeah. mandates. So maybe maybe it could imply that states could could uh, impose a mandate, but that says nothing about the federal government. Well, it does imply that states can impose a mandate. And unfortunately, um, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but a lot of people don't see the difference between a state and, a, <laughs> and the federal government doing it. And from a constitutional standpoint, that's all the difference in the world because states yes. have police power and federal governments don't. And I keep on seeing people on social media saying, well, Congress passed OSHA. Well, that's great. Congress passed OSHA. OSHA has never been used to mandate vaccines before, but um, the constitution grants authorities to the federal government, certain limited authorities and reserves all other power to the states and Congress can't change the meaning of the constitution. And so Congress can pass a thousand state um, status or federal statutes. None of those will change the authority that the constitution has reserved for the states. And uh, the, the fact that people don't understand the difference between a state issuing a, a vaccine mandate and the federal government doing it, and, and not only the federal government doing it, but doing it by executive fiat is really disappointing to me. And it, it just, I, I feel like everyone needs to go back to fifth grade and start over again. I, I'm just really disappointed with the lack of civic um, understanding or uh, curiosity in our country. But um, more importantly, I, I really like the point that you made, because if OSHA can do this, I, I mean, if or if the president can use his executive authority to, to, to make OSHA do this, then what's the limiting principle? Where, I mean, then, right. then I guess OSHA can basically do anything. And, and the other point I like that you raised is, what's the difference between a company with 98 or 99 employees that isn't affected by this and a company with 100 employees? Um, so pe people are going to lose their jobs over this. And um, I mean, not a lot, not, not, you know, 30% of the workforce, like some people are, are, are suggesting, but you know, there are people that are going to get fired over this and, and they're going to be on the news. They're going to be poster, poster children for government overreach. But um, you mentioned the eviction mandate. And um, uh, just to remind people about two months ago, President Biden basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, I know I don't have the authority to unilaterally extend the moratorium on evictions under COVID, but I'm going to do it anyway. And by the time the courts overrule me, I will have gotten what I wanted. And that is, you know, a six or eight week extension of the moratorium. And it worked. I mean, the courts did overrule him, but he got a short extension. I wonder if he's not doing the same thing here because yeah. I'm, I'm fairly confident that our U.S. Supreme Court will overrule this executive order. But by the time they do, I think a lot of companies will have forced their employees to get man, uh, the vaccine. And that's exactly what Biden wants. I don't think he's going to run for reelection anyway. And his, his approval ratings have already tanked. And so I think it, this is another situation where he says, well, I'm just going to do it. And by the time the courts say I can't do it, I'm already going to get my end, you know, my end goal objective 
accomplished. And I, that's how I see this. I, I don't think that there's a good constitutional argument that the, the president of the United States is now a dictator uh, and, and can just, you know, make up, you know, stuff that Americans have to do. Uh, or, and, and we didn't mention this week <laughs> that there's a $14,000 uh, fine per, per, per incident. So if you have a company of 100 employees and 30 of them aren't vaccinated, that's $14,000 times 30, I think, every, every day or at least every week that they're not tested. It's just insane. And that, that number was just pick, I mean, just throw, throw a number at a dartboard, you know, or throw a dart at a dartboard. There's no basis for that number. Yeah. I remember a lot of liberals screaming bloody murder when Trump was doing stuff like this. Like, I'm, even though it's illegal, I'm just going to jump in and do it on the border, you know, with steel tariffs. And it's kind of like, well, you know, that wasn't so bad. You know, now Biden thinks that he can do it on uh, every other week with every new policy. Well, and, and Trump did seize some funding and, and declared an emergency for the border and basically redirected money, which I think everyone understands the president can do that. It, it, the question is, was it really an emergency? Um, but Trump was accused of going to be doing a lot of things that never came into fruition. We're not talking about things that Biden might do. This is not like media hysterica, his, uh, his, histrionics or whatever. This is stuff that Biden is doing. And I know, um, how do you say that monocloid? I can't, I can never, these medical terms, this oh. new treatment that Governor DeSantis has ordered. Monoclonal. Yeah, yeah monoclonal, the, the, the therapies for that. And uh, I just want to point out here uh, that uh, Trump was accused uh, at the beginning of COVID, actually, Jared Kushner was accused that he was just, they were just going to send the ventilators that we thought were life-saving, you know, in March and April of 2020. And as it turned out, you know, they were almost death sentences, but, but Trump was accused, oh, he's just going to send those to the Republican red states and, and he won't send them to the uh, states with Democratic governors. Well, first of all, Trump and Jared Kushner never did that, but they were accused of doing that. And the media seemed to think that had they done that, that that would be a really bad thing. Well, now, instead of Biden being accused, what Biden is doing is he is now taking uh, this monoclonal uh, treatment away from red states like Florida, which have the highest need for it because their hospitals are uh, taxed at a greater extent and said, no, we want to, we want equity. We're going to send this life-saving treatment to all 50 states, even the states that don't have any particular yeah. burden on their hospital in a way to punish uh, Governor DeSantis for not uh, imposing his, 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 his desired mask mandate. So you're going to actually see more people die in Florida who otherwise would not have died because Joe Biden and his administration is playing politics and they're trying to punish a Republican governor for not bending to their will. So this is not theoretical, something that uh, Biden is threatening to do. It's something that he has seized federal control of, taking it out of the free market system. These were orders that were already pre-placed by the state of Florida. And, and by the way, a month or two ago, when Governor DeSantis started uh, doubling down on this treatment, um, the Biden administration and the media initially mocked him for it because you get mocked for anything that's that's uh, that could potentially treat COVID. But now that the science is showing that a 70% reduction of people who have been diagnosed with COVID, if they go through this treatment, now, now the federal government is taking this and saying, no, Florida, you can't have this, even though you have the greatest need for it. We're going to send it to states that don't need it because you don't bow to our will. It, it, it is the most insane thing I've ever seen in the media. Uh, the national media is given the Biden administration a total pass. 
yeah. uh, the liberal media had their Super Bowl yesterday, I feel like. Yes. This so-called justice for J6, January 6th rally in D.C. Hundreds of cops, hundreds of press people. And, and a fence, right? Fence. A, a, a new fence around the Capitol. Yeah, I put the fencing back up. 15-foot fence around the entire <laughs> Capitol complex. And about 20 people showed up. Other than uh, there might have been 29. So... So, uh, you know, Todd, if only we took the crisis at the border this seriously. Yeah, I, I saw uh, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> What's his name? George Hamilton or whatever. Oh, really? Mark Hamill was there? Mark Hamill, yeah. He, he, sent a, he tweeted out today and sent a picture of the crowd, the small crowd, and said that he had seen bigger gatherings at the um, Star Wars like Christmas special fan club. <laughs> Than, than this. And, you know, the January 6th, I, I think both of us would agree, Corey, it, it was horrible what happened. It was probably one of the worst days uh, in my lifetime because you had people who were trying to um, basically disrupt, you know, or overthrow the government and try to undermine the will of the people. And I'm not going to defend anything, uh, anybody who entered the Capitol. And the, the purpose of this rally on Saturday was to rally in support of these defendants who have been criminally charged for trying to interrupt congressional business in, in terms of certifying the election. Um, but this is a media-created event. I mean, the, the event was real, but it didn't deserve the proportional amount of attention it got. And this is part of the strategy of the Democrats to uh, talk about January 6th and talk about January 6th as a, as a strategy to try to survive the midterm elections when I think everyone expects they're going to do very, very poorly next November because uh, the Biden administration, um, I, I already said his favorability has tanked and, and they're not, um, you know, the, the Americans aren't happy right now with the direction of the country. So January 6th, you're going to just hear this drum being beat for the next year trying to uh, somehow tie anybody who runs for Congress next year to what, you know, a couple of handfuls of people did. Well, more than a couple of handfuls, but the people who enter the Capitol are criminals. They should be prosecuted. They are being prosecuted. Uh, many of them will serve jail time. And I don't hear any Republicans defending what they did. So hundred percent. And I'm totally on the record. There were, I mean, what happened on the, on the sixth was absolutely awful. And those folks who, who, participated. I mean, they deserve to be prosecuted and I've yeah. said so. And I, I hundred percent believe that there were a lot of, there was a, a strong handful of really bad guys. There were another, you know, big chunk of people who probably got caught up that said the moment, they made yeah. poor choices yeah. and uh, they deserve to, you know, face the consequences for those choices. Everybody Let me does. contrast that with, uh, with the uh, May 30th riot in 2020 in Salt Lake and you, and you had a, yeah, yeah. a police car overturned and burned. I mean, those people are being prosecuted and they're, they're going to go to jail and they should because they broke the law and some of them probably got caught up in the moment. Um, but that doesn't excuse them from committing crimes, committing felonies. Yep. And um, in any event, so. Yeah, so we're in agreement on that. But then, but on, but for this situation, I mean, for weeks, weeks, we've heard, and I've been reading in mainstream news outlets about this big rally and the mortal, yeah. mortal dangers it pretends. We need to put this place oh, yeah. back up. We need hundreds yeah. of police officers. Yeah, instead, it's like this insignificant collection of <laughs> uncoordinated, you know, <laughs> misfits surrounded by hundreds of eager, eager journalists, all of whom think they're going to you know, win their Pulitzer prize over this. And, and the guy, this one guy on Twitter, he was perfect. He said, the revolution will be televised, but it may not be attended. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly right. 
So I'm assuming you're saying that their organizational efforts were uncoordinated as opposed to the people, individuals who showed up being uncoordinated, but maybe you meant. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm not talking about their athleticism. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. That's quite the insult. You had a lot of misfit toys show up to that, but like, you know, they want attention, you media, you're giving it to them. And I have yet to see any evidence that these fringe groups, the Proud Boys, the QAnon, or whatever the left's obsession of the month, or anything more than a few dozen wannabes and weirdos yeah. get inordinate attention from left-wing media. You know, who knows how many millions of dollars of taxpayer dollars were wasted on this over-the-top show of force. I, yeah. I wish we would have spent that money on securing the border or maybe, you know, going after this the Antifa thugs who are accosting yeah. law-abiding citizens at restaurants and and uh, Christians who are just law-abiding citizens having having a, an enjoyable picnic, like do something else. You know, and I, I'm glad you mentioned QAnon because that's uh, another movement that's real, uh, but that gets an inordinate amount of media attention because it's uh, because it makes Republicans look bad, and that's what the national media is all about, and that's what they've been all about for a long time. Um, the only place I ever hear about QAnon is the um is from the media uh, and 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 from some people on twitter uh who are just fascinated with it but i spent about four hours in a republican state central committee meeting yesterday because i'm on the utah republican state central committee which is the governing body i I don't know anyone i don't know anyone in utah who affiliates with QAnon. i don't i don't know a single person um and i only hear about this organization from the national media who want you to believe that at least 30% of all Republicans are QAnon. Yeah, I mean, yeah. which is, it's probably 0.03%, but in any event. Okay, debt ceiling. Uh, our, we've had an out of control federal budget and federal spending for a long time, probably most of my lifetime, but it's never been as out of control as it has been, uh, I think, since COVID started. So part of that is on Trump's watch, but um, certainly uh, Joe Biden has turned up the heat. So uh, uh, Congress uh, has a couple of weeks to raise the debt ceiling to allow Americans to borrow trillions with a T more before defaulting on our debt. Republicans, including Mitt Romney, have made it clear that they will not vote to raise the debt ceiling again, as long as the Democrats are moving ahead with their $3.5 trillion spending bench. Corey, what, what's going to happen if we allow America, the United States of America, to default on our debts? Defaulting would be horrible. It really would. It would put us back. It would set us back economically. It would be a huge problem. I, I don't believe that we're going to, that America will default, but it will be up to Pelosi and the Democrats to dig themselves out of this mess. I mean, let's recall, you just said they sp- already spent $2 trillion on a partisan basis earlier this year. Now they plan to spend another three and a half trillion with a T on Demo- on a, this massive democratic goodie and bag. Just to remind our listeners, I think a trillion is a thousand billion, right? Yeah. A thousand <laughs> yeah. billion. It's a million yeah. million. Yeah. So after the, I mean, this year they want to spend five and a half trillion dollars this year alone. That's larger than the GDP of every country in the world, except the United States and China. Think about that. Germany, Japan, they don't even produce that much wealth in a year yet. The Democrats will spend that much and more, just to fulfill one bill. their wildest dreams. And one Big bill su- on top of everything else we've already spent since COVID started. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Big surprise now that America needs to increase its ability to borrow money. The Treasury's authority to borrow will expire in the next few weeks, so this is imminent. The Democrats' response to this situation is just continue raising it. Yeah. In fact, most Democrats will argue 
the print more money, is, is print more money and spend that ceiling altogether. Yeah. yeah. Eliminate the debt ceiling and start printing money so that we can have maximum debt. You know, let's, let's go, let's take debt to infinity and beyond. And, you know, you pointed this out, but Republicans under Bush and Trump also ran up deficits. They don't have clean hands in any of this. And no. so I do want to point that out, but yeah. I applaud Mitt Romney and Senate Republicans for at least at this point saying enough is enough. Democrats will need to accomplish this on their own. I could give you the inside baseball on all the machinations. I follow it as part of my work, but suffice to say America will go to the brink, the very edge and uh, Democrats will end up raising the debt ceiling one way or the other, but it's just pathetic. It's pathetic that every year that we're, we're in this position because we just keep printing trillions and trillions more. Yeah. Of money that our grandkids and great grandkids will have to repay. Yeah. Well, I want to give the Biden administration credit where credit was, is due. So Joe Biden didn't raise, didn't, didn't run and campaign, on um inflation running amok but uh i he he deserves i mean the one thing he has <laughs> been able to accomplish as president is, heck of a um, job. <laughs> uh, our inflation is uh the highest it's been in over a decade so uh, well done uh president biden so makes all, all of our retirement savings worth less so thank you for that but so, at least at least we'll owe like trillions of dollars our kids will yeah at least we'll owe trillions of dollars yes there there's that as well so all right. Well, I think that's the show for the week. I think that's it. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Dad. See you next week. See everybody next time.